Welcome again to the Inspired Leader Podcast, the series in which we explore the sources of inspiration of leaders from many different walks of life. I'm Andy Bird, and today I'm excited to be talking to Sir Ben Ainsley, the most successful sailor in Olympic history, and now on a mission to lead a British team to success in the America's Cup. I certainly saw sailing as something that I could potentially be really good at, and this was my opportunity to really achieve something. You've got to find something that you love because you've got to be able to commit yourself wholeheartedly to that within reason, but you, you know, you've got to make some sacrifices and you're only going to do that if you're doing something you really believe in and you really love. So Ben, welcome. Thanks very much indeed for joining me on the podcast. A pleasure, Andy. Thanks for having me. You must have spent a great deal of time in boats and on water, but I'm just intrigued to know, do you, do you remember the first time you ever actually set sail on a boat? Yeah, I do remember quite vividly. I was about eight years old and I grew up down in Cornwall and my parents had somehow got hold of this uh, hand-me-down optimist dinghy, which is a, a 10-foot dinghy that young kids all over the world uh, learn to sail in, in single-handed. And this was sail number 185, so when it, it was a very old wooden yeah. optimist. And I set off in the, in this boat in my duffel coat and Wellington boots, no life jacket or anything like that back in those days. And I remember saying to my dad, well, you know, what happens here and what happens if I turn the boat over? And my dad was a big boat sailor, a keel boat sailor. He'd sailed around the world, but he hadn't really ever sailed in dinghies or small boats. And he said, oh, I was made some reference. I, I'm not really sure. I think you stand <laughs> on the same board or something like that. You know, yeah, you'll be fine. Right. You'll, be, you'll be good, son. Off you go. And, and so off I sat in this boat and I never forget the sensation of, you know, that age being in control of a craft. And, and that is right, no, really. You felt, you remember yeah, that, that moment. Yeah, that absolutely. And, and also the sensation of the water rippling under the boat as yeah. the sort of sails filled and we took off and started gathering speed. And yeah, I remember that sensation and also the freedom yeah. that, at that age. And, and that was really where my love affair with sailing yeah. kicked in. Yeah. yeah. And I believe the creek in which you learned to sail down in Cornwall, a place called uh, Rastronget, is now the location for one of the famous golden pillar boxes, your personal golden pillar box, to celebrate the winners of the 2012 Olympic Games, the gold medal winners. I mean, it must be an amazing feeling for you to go back there and think of that first moment as a kid, and then... Yeah, very, very fond memories. All that's happened since. It's yeah. extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what a wonderful <laughs> place to grow up yeah, for any yeah. kid, and especially if you're into sailing. Yeah. And yes, to go back and think about everything that's happened yeah. in those 30-odd years uh, between that, yeah. since the, the first time out sailing around on my own, yeah, uh, yeah it's been an incredible journey. And your, your dad must have been a, a tremendous inspiration to you then, having had that background himself. Is, how was. important has that been for you? Well, it was massive, just firstly to get into the sport, and then really that encouragement that you need as a youngster in any pastime or sport, frankly, to get out there and to go to some of the training camps and you know sailing you know even at grassroots level being able to have that facility to get out to have a boat and then as I started racing more and more nationally yeah. and internationally until I was able to find sponsorship and so on my parents helped me massively yeah. from a financial perspective and yeah so absolutely wouldn't have uh, wouldn't have been able to no. get into sport in that way without their support and if you look back at your career as a whole sort of big picture are there other particular sources of inspiration that have been especially influential for you? A lot within the sport of sailing, some key people. One was one of the early coaches, a guy called Phil Slater, who was a local 
sailing hero down in Cornwall and really taught myself yeah. and my generation of, of young sailors in, in that area to sail and to race. Yeah. And another chap called Jim Saltonstall, who was a national racing coach and a very inspirational kind of a figure. And uh, all of uh, the sort of recent Olympic champions in, in the UK and Olympic medalists in the UK have, are really a result of, of Jim through the years and and it's not not as much the skills but a very very skillful sailor and coach but really as i said that inspiration that we could go out and and become a great sailing nation and that, a lot of that really was down to jim Saltonstall, i think so it was his vision really or yeah. His, 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 yeah yeah were there qualities he had which particularly impressed you was it more that sense of possibility yeah he was a very motivating character yorkshireman said so a very distinct Yorkshire accent, right. very uh, fun character. So he made it fun and he made us believe that we could be out, go out there and we could be winners. Yeah. But they've kindled something in you and there must be to achieve what you've done. I mean, you must have a pretty steely determination to win and to succeed. Have yeah. you kind of any sense of where that comes from? What do you, how do you understand that about yourself? It's funny. I mean, I think back to a kid, I remember being very affected by a, television program I watched as a young young kid about Brazilian footballers and this, yeah. but Brazilian a lot of Brazilian footballers come from very tough backgrounds and really football was their only opportunity to uh, really get out and have have opportunities and not in any way saying I came from a from a tough background or anything like that and my parents you know were, were amazing and had a, a really happy childhood but I certainly saw sailing as something that I could potentially be really good at and this was my opportunity yeah to really achieve something yeah and I also remember quite early on sitting down with my dad and he'd been watching a race a local race that I'd been in and I had something had gone wrong in this race and I'd sort of given up or whatever and came back at the end of the day and my dad sort of was a bit cunning maybe he sort of said oh how did the race go today did you have a good race I said well I don't know something happened and I you know I don't really sort of tried to pass it off and he said well that was interesting because I happened to watch the race and I, I saw that you gave up and he said I don't know <laughs> he said I think you really need to think about what, what right. you're doing here because if you're going to do a sport and actually we're going to support you as a family and go to all these events and that's fine but we're only going to do that if you're really going to give it everything and right. just giving up in races you know you can't do that you've got to if you want to do this and make the commitment well, then, yeah, okay. then we'll we'll support you but we're only going to support you if you give it 100% yeah, yeah. and that really struck a chord I think and so I was probably about 12 or 13 at the time and I remember thinking he's absolutely right you know yeah. if, I, if I want to do this and I really want to try yeah. and be one of the best sailors I've got to go for it yeah. and give it everything and, and so that was a decision I made quite early on in my well young teenage years and into adult life to yeah. really uh, you really go, to go for, for it, it. And, uh, yeah. to the extent that when you were 19 I believe you said you were devastated to only win a silver medal at your first Olympic Games well <laughs> is that true well I, well yes and no I mean at, at the time I was immediately after the race and it really was so because close, you think yes. in sailing we only have one representative per yeah. class of boat and there are five or six classes of boat yeah. and per nation and so actually just even in a strong uh, Olympic nation or strong sailing nation like we have in Great Britain just even getting to the Olympics is tough and so actually I thought well you know I may never get a chance to sail at the Olympics my, again and yeah. that could have been my one chance right. and I've kind of blown it yeah. even though I was only 19 I had no idea what would happen 
And so that was my immediate reaction. And then, you know, of course, I got back to the dock and all of my teammates were there and everyone was saying, oh, that's incredible at 19 yeah. to win a silver medal and you should be yeah. so proud of yourself. And, yeah. so, and my parents were there. And, and then everything sort of so fell into place a bit and I yeah. felt a bit better about it. But yeah. yeah, I suppose that was my initial competitive reaction was, <laughs> you know, darn it. You know, yes, that was my chance and I've blown it. Yeah, well, you certainly put that right in later years. Yeah. So I noticed in the past, one of the things you said about your career, it, it's been founded on self-discovery. Yeah. I thought that was a fascinating phrase. What do you mean by that? What, is it, what does it mean to you now? I think looking back, it's probably, um, I'd rephrase it more as, as self-improvement. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I guess, I guess what it means, you know, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very keen on, on a lot of analysis. And actually growing up as a kid, I, I was put in front of many sports psychologists and I probably didn't really understand it well enough, but I had a bit of a phobia about psychologists growing up. And then I realized actually probably I was doing a, a lot of this self-analysis subconsciously really. So it's you know about analyzing whether you're on a race course or you've been in a business meeting or whatever. Well, how did that go? What could I have done better? How can I improve that? And, and, and a lot of learning from other people. And you know, one of the amazing things for me is being through my sporting career, analyzing my competitors and working out you right. know, what their strengths are and what yeah. their weaknesses are and how can I play on that? And now in, in, from a business sense, you know, with our America's Cup team, we've had a lot of fantastic investors and advisors, board members, and really, again, analyzing how do those guys operate and w what are the learnings from them and how's my performance been for all of that and what can I do better? And, and is there, can, can you think of just one example of something important to you, a learning you've had about? Well, I, I think one of the great, it's probably sounds quite obvious but Charles Dunstan who's been the chairman of our team for many years and one of the first things he said to me is you know his learning for his business career was never think that you're always the the best person for the job that there's not someone out there who's smarter than you are right. and that can do a better job than you if you can actually find that person well that is a major win <laughs> yes, that's, right. that's a major win yeah. don't look at it as a threat look at it as yeah. a, it's a major positive because you can uh, yeah. you want to be attracting those kind of people with those yeah. talents so I, I, I thought you know spot on and it's it's a great piece of advice because people are naturally kind of a bit protective of yeah. bringing in people they might feel threatened by yeah. but actually you've got to have the confidence to say well look if I can bring that person in and they can do a better job, well, that's actually going to help us get where we need to be and that's what we want. And particularly when you look at complexity yeah. of what you're doing now with yeah. the American Star. I mean, yeah. that's a, a great lesson. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to explore with you a little bit about, so you've had that wonderful sort of period in your life of the Olympics, tremendous success. And during that, and increasingly now, you've phased more into the whole world of the America's Cup. So a very big difference. But tell us a little bit about the difference between racing single-handedly and that kind of team experience in the America's Cup. What have you learned by that transition? Well, that's right. Predominantly, well, my Olympic career was in the single-handed classes. But very early on, I knew that I wanted to transition into the America's Cup because for me, the two pinnacles of sailing really are the Olympics and, and the America's Cup, certainly in shore racing anyway. And I started making that transition after the 2000 Olympics in Sydney. I was 23 years old and I got an offer to join an American syndicate for the America's Cup and bear in mind America's Cup is really professional side of the sport of sailing and you know big budgets a lot of technology big big campaigns hundred plus people and so going into that as you can imagine having spent all of my career up until then sailing around on my own being in total control of everything yeah. I did and my campaign and so on 
suddenly thrust into a an organization of 100 plus people not knowing if i was going to be sailing on a, on the boat uh, from day to day not really having any direction over the campaign it was a big big challenge and probably something i didn't handle that well for a number of different reasons and didn't really feel that i had much support within the team right. I'd sort of been hired because I was a gold medalist and they figured yeah. I must be a good sailor. Yeah. But I had no idea really where I was supposed to fit in with the right. team and no one was really guiding me. And I was too young or I didn't have the ability to, to be able to, 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 to deal with that. And so I, I only stayed with that team for about 18 months and I did some sailing. I learned a lot about working in an organisation like that and the America's Cup, but then decided to move back to Olympic sailing for the 2004 yeah. Olympics. But I think the big challenges were really that, uh, you know, being able to communicate with people, understanding that you're uh, at times you're a small cog in a in a very big wheel, but that you're also contributing to the wider group, and and that's really the I think my learning of, of being part of teams and organisations is understanding how you can contribute, how to communicate, and then really focusing hard and working hard with with your teammates. Yeah. Those are the big takeaways. The way you describe that, you, you talk very much as being a team member, but increasingly the kind of role you're moving into now, you really are leading it and yes. driving it. Yeah. What have you learned about leadership? You know, I think the big, the big lesson about leadership and the tough lesson about leadership is that you can't, uh, whilst you want to have a good relationship with everyone in your team and, and, and try and inspire that team and create a great team environment, at the same time, you can never afford to get too close to anyone. Right, and that's what's. Why, really, why do you say that? That was well, that's what's really tough because inevitably, the buck stops with you, and you're going to have to make some tough decisions down the yeah. road, and that might mean that someone has to leave the team, or yeah. you have to make some difficult HR human resource decisions, difficult decisions on funding, where you apportion those funds, and some really really key strategic decisions which aren't yeah. necessarily going to be popular with everybody, yeah. and so you can't actually afford to get too close to anyone because from any, any moment a decision might have to be made which will affect someone yeah. and you can't afford for that to be an emotional decision right so it's important to keep some distance but on the other hand you also need to inspire the team so <laughs> that's right how do you how do you kind of get that balance yeah well you, you clearly can't lock yourself in a room and <laughs> and no. uh, and not communicate at all and i think that's the key is the communication and and of course the team need to feel that they they can trust you and you're sharing as much information as you can and if you can do that and they respect you, then I think they may not always agree with decisions that are made, but they know that you're doing it in the best interest yeah. of the team. Yeah. So yeah, really the, the communication is key and sharing that vision for the team. Yeah. So I'm going to have to ask you this question and I want the true answer, okay? Because I'm sure you've been asked this a hundred times, but the extraordinary achievement that you were involved in with the American team in 2013, where you joined the team, for those not familiar with the story, you know, the New Zealand team were eight one up first to nine wins along comes Ben Ainsley and it sort of turns around completely and it ends up being nine eight to the states so you already won <laughs> you've won the America's Cup what happened I mean, it's just the most incredible turnaround it was it was it was the most amazing event and uh, you know I, I've certainly received way more credit for it than I should have done <laughs> especially in the UK but no I was I was part of a great team that turned itself around from a turn well I mean as you said, we're eight one down in the first to win nine. We had to win eight eight races straight, and everybody had written us off. But it really came down to great team effort in terms of the design and technology and improving the boat. You know, all the way through the series, 
and then there's you know as a sailing team really going out there and, and keeping the belief and keep pushing right and kind of a siege mentality I think in the right. end uh, was it yes yeah. so I mean you know there may well be people listening to this who were in a similar situation eight one down yeah you know yeah. in their own world in yeah. the equivalent what advice would you give at those moments of really you know when it's well, really tough the chips are down well I think never give in obviously don't throw the towel in yeah and it's also well it comes to a point where what have you got to lose yeah so actually the pressure's off yeah and that was the case for us the pressure was off everyone had written us off the Kiwis thought they had the cup. Yeah. They had a A380 sat on a tarmac at San Francisco International right. Airport waiting to take them in the America's Cup home. And it created this siege mentality in our team. Well, you know, actually professional pride is what we're Keep fighting team. for here. And we're not just going to roll over. And we just kept pushing and trying and trying and yeah. making gains to the speed of the boat and getting faster and getting more confident. And then the Kiwis, you could see visibly, started thinking, oh, hang on a minute, oh, we've only got to win one more race, but this we're running out of races here, and this yeah. is getting, I mean, oh, God, imagine if we lost from here, how would that would be horrendous, and oh, my God, we are going to lose from here, and yeah, you know, it's that kind of mentality. Yeah, that, fascinating, that stuff, yeah, yeah, the psychology of it, yeah, yeah, amazing. So now you're leading the British team, a huge challenge after how many years? Over 100 years now, isn't it? We've never won the thing. Oh, 166, so how, 166 years, 166. I think. Oh, God, why do I know that? <laughs> That's right. So how are you going to do it? Well, have you got? I mean, are there any sort of particular sort of angles you've got to try and make the difference? Yeah. Well, the key thing about the America's Cup is you've got to have the money and you've got to have the people. And this is our second go around now for the America's Cup. And we knew being a new entity for Bermuda last year, it was going to be very, very tough because you could put all the people together, the design team, the design tools, most critically and um, in, a, in a really short period of time and raise all the money and then go out and race these teams that have been around for 10, 20 years, especially looking at you know, the likes of uh, Emirates Team New Zealand and, and Oracle Team USA and teams like that. So really now we're into our second go as a team. So the next America's Cup is in 2021 in New Zealand. So we've got all of that learning from the last campaign. Uh, we've brought in some new key people, such as Grant Simmer, who I've managed to convince to join us as our CEO. And Grant is probably the most experienced guy in the America's Cup. He's won it four times, and right. this will be his 11th wow. campaign. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge, huge experience and a great guy to come in and manage the team as a CEO. And uh, another really key appointment has been Nick Holroyd, who's our chief designer and Nick was one of the key designers for Team New Zealand over the last 20 years and developing those skills and that technology that eventually got the Kiwis to winning the cup last year in Bermuda. So that those guys are really key alongside a lot of the team that we developed over the last three or four years. You know, and then the funding as well. So having uh, you know the budget in place to be able to set the right strategy, we're allowed to build two 75-foot boats for this next America's Cup. And that will be a big, big cost. The budgets have gone up by uh, approximately 30% from the last campaign. And so finding that money, getting that funding in place has been has really been my biggest focus in the last six months. Very different, yeah, very different challenge from uh, sailing a boat. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's really yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and, and it is, and, but it's kind of, that's one of the big keys of the, yeah. of the America's Cup. If you haven't got the funding, yeah. you haven't got the resources, you're not going to yeah, be competitive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so you, you've got to focus on that. Yeah. Well, I wish you every success. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Uh, you've led a clearly an incredibly inspired and inspiring life. As we just close now, I just wonder, you know, the guys listening, if there's a one sort of piece of advice or insight you can give about how other people can find the kind of inspiration you've discovered for themselves, what would you say to them? 
Well, I mean, you, you've got to find something that you love because you've got to be able to commit yourself wholeheartedly to that within reason. But, you, you know, you've got to make some sacrifices and you're only going to do that if you're doing something you really believe in and you really love. And so that would be my one takeaway from thought. this. That's a good yeah. one to finish with. Yeah. Thank okay. you very much Thank indeed. You.